With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The building downtown for life. The building downtown. The building downtown. Hey, it's the building downtown. You can follow us on social media at the building DT. You can follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, TalkShoe, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at JKellyMMA. My co-host, Kirk Sasatsky, at Co-Raps. Our other co-host, Amy Barton, unfortunately couldn't be here, but give her a follow me at Ames Bell. Without further ado, we promised you part two. He's back. Co-Sider, yeah, yeah, how yeah. you doing, my man? Hey, I'm sitting with y'all, so it's blessed, you know what I mean? And I just love the vibes from part one, so I'm glad to be sitting here with y'all doing part two. Yeah, man. Us yeah, too, we us just too. had to finish it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed too, Carvery's got some success with the, the video, with the song, doing very well. Yes. I see the, the tour is doing well. Your artists are doing well. Before we before we jumped on the show here, you said you've been busy. Regular day at the office doesn't stop. So are things, things looking up right now? Things are looking up because we work on making sure they stay up. Mm. You know, every day is an effort to just push higher, higher, and higher, right? Yeah. So, it's hard for things to come down when you're pushing so hard up. So yeah, yeah things things are up because we're holding them up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You need a solid foundation. Yes, sir. Keep grinding. Yeah, yeah. Keep... No, sorry, you gonna jump and say something? No, no, no. I was just saying, keep grinding, keep grinding. Yeah. Uh, so with your staff, as I see things are starting to come together now. Aside yeah. from the artists, I mean, you're outside of. I know you work with the artists, the development, but the actual organization is tour and the other things you got going on, promo and all that stuff. Is it just you? Or do you have a crew with you that are, are not artists working on this stuff? I have uh, people that are on the ground all over the place and they have teams in place okay. that are working on promotion and making sure those aspects of things are taken care of. Cause you know, I'm only, I'm only one guy. Yeah, uh, right. Sure. I put the, I put the foundation of things together, you know, the infrastructure for the tour, you know um, I created it and it had to be, adjusted and and diversified in certain areas because mm-hmm. certain situations don't work in all areas so we had to adapt and create situations that were workable in those areas but once that criteria had been created and established then from there I was able to pass it on to the people that I have on the ground and then let them go to work from there yeah and what was it like developing because like you said you're one man and this thing is in multiple cities you're in the states you're in Canada. multiple countries yeah, right so you, you got to have the right people on the ground how do you go about that process process of you know getting in with the right people because if you don't have eyeballs there it's easy for somebody to be dicking around and not doing what they're supposed to right yeah you got you go to resumes or what very, very interesting question and a good question because it will also help one second other people in the future yeah. that are looking for the right people to work with <laughs> and symptoms and signs uh, basically of what the right people can can actually look like. So for somebody like myself, um, to answer the question, uh, you know, how do you find reliable people? And, you know, how do these people come about? Where do they come from? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, I've been doing music for over 40 years so i met a lot of people you Mm -hmm. know uh in different places um and made different connections and that gave me the opportunity to kind of test what people are made out of Mm -hmm. you know over time some people true uh, proved to be great assets you know uh over time other people didn't you know amount the same Mm -hmm. so that develops your gut instincts you know, when it comes to certain situations, I can kind of predict certain things before they're going to happen. And if my gut is telling me that the person's not really moving in accordance, mm-hmm. with the algorithm that they should be on, because, they, <laughs> you know, like there's procedures for these things and we, we all kind of know what they are. So when you see people deviating or, or saying stuff like, well, this is how I do it or da, 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 but it's not used to what you're seeing when it comes to results. Mm-hmm. That's normally a concern, right? So over the so years, is... 
I've, I've tried to develop um, a strong gut when it comes to who I'm going to work with, uh, you know, why I'm going to work with them, just based on, on those things. Because you're absolutely right. Um, some people mean well. Mm-hmm. They can't really do well because they don't have the experience to fully facilitate what it is that they think they do. Some of them also only find out, you know, when they're in the middle of it that they're in over their head. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And do you try to, to take, uh, like, some people might not even recognize what their strengths are. Do you try to find those in people and say, hey, look, you might be better suited this avenue or whatever? Is that something you do as well? Another smart question because that's really refining the person to their mm-hmm. best attributes. Mm-hmm. And I find that over time that just naturally kind of takes place. But it is also a good thing to be putting into place as well, to be analyzing, to see what people's strengths are, um, because you, you'll you know where they're getting results and where they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see where, uh, even when it comes to other people, um, what kind of reactions they're getting from people when they're doing certain things and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, these are all things of importance when trying to take all that stuff into consideration. It is definitely a sign of a strong leadership when you put the right people in right places, right? Absolutely. And the thing is that sometimes like there's people, I've had guys that didn't perform so well in the beginning, right? If I was to, if I was to base it, you know, solely completely by what their performance was in the early stage, they probably would have been, you know, removed from the situation just because oh, fact that, yeah, they didn't perform well, right? Mm. But there's certain people that I know they have the willpower to do better because willpower and tenacity, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to sit in that position that mm-hmm. you're after? Well, that's also a factor. So if a person is making mistakes, but, you know, they they show a desire to do better, and uh, they're always looking to improve, then somebody like that can end up being an asset. So it's really just about, you know, I guess it starts with work ethic because Mm -hmm. whether the person is proficient or not, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about what are they going to put into it really at the end of the day and how bad do they want it? From there, most of the time we can figure it out. Um, Even somebody that's making mistake now, if you're just continually making the same mistake over and over and over again, no, that's not going to pan out. But if you're able to learn from those mistakes, um, you know, take the advice that you're given, you know, into perspective appropriately and, and use it um, for your greater growth and development, of course, uh, yeah. we're going to leave room for that kind of stuff because Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm-hmm. And I people that started off with a rocky start that really had good things in their heart about what they wanted to do in this industry that went on to be great people. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a tight knit time tested community. And eh? it sounds like okay. a, oh, sounds yeah. like a real, sounds like a real family, right? If you're, if you're well, letting, if you're letting is. people grow, you watch people grow, you put them in right positions, right? This is a, this is a family like environment. It is. And growth is a beautiful thing to watch. You know, uh, some of the things that I've seen with, with these art, especially the ones that are hungry, you know, that are looking for that information to, to make their life a better place musically or with their career. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's like watching a, a caterpillar, you know, transform into a butterfly. Yeah. Ones it, that really want it bad enough can, do, can make that metamorphosis happen. Yeah, and it's funny, too, how, like, how big the music industry is, right? And even the hip-hop industry is. It's, yeah. still, it's still a small community in a sense where if you develop a bad rep, that shit can follow you around to all levels from local all the way to fucking Rockefeller records. Right. Like oh, if you, yeah. yeah, if you develop a bad rap or you're difficult to work with or, or you don't come through or you're a liar or you rip people off any of that shit, that shit stays with you. And it's crazy though. It's, you know what I mean? It's a worldwide multi-billion dollar industry. Yet oh, it's still that small of a community. It really is. And especially when it comes to the behind the scenes, because mm-hmm. when you talk about the fans, Yes, that's a gross entity of people that we're talking about that take the music in. But behind the scenes, I mean, I, I, there's, I look on my Facebook, you know, I'm maxed out at 5,000 friends, just like yeah. Facebook as an example, right? Yep. And there's very few Canadian rappers that, you know, are worth something that are not on my radar. 
Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, every once in a while, I come across a new guy, mm-hmm. you know, but when I look at the friend list of other people, I'm like, yeah, know him, 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 <laughs> talked to him, dealt with him, did something with him. So yeah, it's, it's important to be transparent with people because um, like I said, nobody's perfect, but if you're transparent and you're honest about what it is that you're doing, mm-hmm. just find a way to, to move on and, and to grow and to take it somewhere else. Mm. In, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, so with this Undeniable tour, right? I just was going to bring it back to the tour a bit. Um, this, is going, uh, this is going over the line, over the border, I mean, right? So yeah. for you to get to this point to, well, first of all, to even have the balls and to have the skills. And <laughs> to, well, this is a big move, right? To, across yeah, the border, yeah, right. a, you know funny. what I mean? <laughs> Putting artists over this, trying to sell the tickets. Do you have any, do you have, have you done uh, any Canadian tours already successfully? Do you have yeah. any background? So. I've done a bunch of different uh, tours and showcases over the years. And I was actually going to launch, I think it was four tours at the end of different tours, but they were going to exist simultaneously at the end. I think it was 2019, early 2020. Mm. COVID just shut me down. Yeah. This is for me now coming back, you know, after the pandemic. Um, with the undeniable showcase tour, um, getting my foot back in the, you know, back in the game after the pandemic. But prior to the pandemic, yeah, I was, I was doing stuff quite regularly, and uh, yeah, not as big as this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going into other countries. I, I wasn't um, reaching as far out, you know, as I am with this. But over time, my connections just grew. My job, um, stuff that I do, you know, there, just constantly connecting me to new artists, it, you know, just put me in a position to kind of make this happen a little bit easier, maybe than the guy that has to go out and find everybody and everything from scratch. A lot of it was was there. <coughs> Excuse me. And you know, the funny thing about the American dates is that. Um, it started with me saying, you know what, I know a guy that's in Maine, you know, mm-hmm. and I know a guy that's in New York and I know a guy that's in Detroit and I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just push the idea. I'm going to put out uh, a pre-flyer with these cities on it, basically, and push the idea and then you know, just watch and see if they come, if they came to life and everybody that I kind of expected to came to life, to come to life, mm-hmm. um, did, you know, they got, yo, I see you're doing something and so-and-so, uh, what's going on with that? Who's go, you know, who's involved mm-hmm. with that? you, <laughs> it was your attention that I was trying to get in, in the first place, right. To be able to, to pull these things off. So it started as a, as a bit of a reach, right. Mm-hmm. But for me, it didn't seem like a long one because um, the people that I've connected with, they know my track record. They know what I'm trying to do with this hip hop. I'm always trying to take this music thing to another level, you know, and uh, this time it was about involving America. That was, you know, the next level for me. How many, how many days do you have across the border now? Well, right now um, I have two dates across the border, but here's the thing. So, Again, coming back after COVID, I wanted to test certain waters. Mm-hmm. Tell you um, this far in that the next tour, which is already being discussed, oh, we're going Vatos Loco. Well, we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the thing was that some of these dates were a little bit harder to organize. And when the price of gas was going through the roof, yeah, oh, fuck. Kind of complicated the situation because there was, I was kind of negotiating some of these things when gas was at its peak. Now it's come down a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. but still was, not good. I was dealing with gas at two twenty and two thirty oh. in certain regions, and it just made it that much more difficult for artists to move around and for people to get around and just so on and so forth. So that kind of hurt me but at the same time it allowed me to open up doors so that for the next tour um yeah i want 10 15 american dates on it got the people in position 
already because most of them were people that I tried to get involved with this tour. And for one reason or another, just the timing didn't work out. But next time we're going, but it'll probably be a 50-50, probably do at least 10 dates in Canada, 10 days in the U.S. for the next Nice. Week. Awesome. Minimal. Awesome. Now, real quick for American viewers and listeners out there, that's 220 a liter. It's almost eight bucks a gallon. I have a, I have a lot of American friends. I explain Ooh. this to them and they're like, yeah. what the? They, they, they say that's Hawaii prices. Yeah. When I tell been, them that. We've been paying for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. it's we're living in. You know, we just got to yeah. adapt and uh, keep it moving. Fuck that. We're going to get rid of Justin. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm a firm believer that things are going to happen when they're meant to be. Yeah. You know? So, and, and like I said, we don't stop. We're always working. We're always continuing to try to uh, take things again to another level. So if it doesn't, you know, if we can't get it right this time, or if we can't complete what it is that, that we're attempting to, get this round next round it always just gets bigger and better and for sure for sure as much as i want to give the artists an opportunity to shine because that's what i've been doing with the albums that started this whole undeniable thing that's going on right now mm -hmm. that so many people are talking about that nobody was talking about before, <laughs> you know um because it's a building process undeniable one came out people got used to the concept because they're like what what the heck is this uh what, what what is this album about who are these artists why have they been mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then undeniable two comes out and you know the same thing is going on but this time there's people that actually understand okay undeniable one came out got a little taste of that he's continuing that and i see it's more by the way dynamic by the way what's going on with that boom bap joint um i've been so busy i forgot to follow through you know what the boom bap album i'm looking to drop that in the in the next two weeks so in the next two weeks already oh shit. yeah well here's the thing um i'm i'm kind of picky in terms of what i want to put on the album mm -hmm. but at the same time i want to give people opportunities now here's the thing i can't have five art so let's say i find five artists from one city let's yeah. say I got five artists from oklahoma and they're all good yeah mm. right and they all have good music that would contribute well to the album problem is now i need to spread it out so i can only take one guy from oklahoma i mm -hmm. might have five guys there because i want to give people in other regions opportunities mm -hmm. right so i i, I spread it out Art, an artist from this region, an artist from that region, so on. For and sure, so. for sure. So, um, I have a bunch of artists that have submitted, but it, it's kind of clusterfucked right now. <laughs> a lot from Toronto. And how many? How many tracks per album? Um, there'll probably be about twenty-four tracks on this one. Twenty-four. Okay, right? okay. So that means that means up to twenty-four cities. If I have it my way, mm -hmm. right? I can go as many as two you know, per city. You know. But that's what's, I would have probably had the album out already if it wasn't for that, because I'm getting a lot of, a lot of good talent, but in the same region, mm -hmm. from the same places. So now I'm reaching out to certain other regions and certain other artists um, about getting them involved. Not only that, um, I don't want to ever use the same artist twice. So if you were on Undeniable 1 or on Undeniable 2, no, I don't want you for three. I always want to be bringing new talent to the so this is going to be like gangster grills or something you're going to come out with like one every quarter i, I i'd like to say that nice. I, don't That's nice. I don't know if i'll meet the quarterly mandate but somebody asked me on another interview that i was on about a month ago um what do you see in terms of volumes how far can this thing go right and mm -hmm. my response goes like i see this going like to volume 100 yeah because there's so many artists out there that need exposure for sure. And everything that I do under the undeniable banner and the co-signer signature series, the more people just, you know, become aware yeah. of the opportunities and, and what's going on in the network. And um, so, yeah, like, and with the amount of artists that I meet on a regular with other things that I do with my other jobs, yeah, uh, you know, it's not like I'm coming up short on talent. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm... I'm, yeah. I'm I'm running through, you know, so many artists a month that, you know, I try to process them all in my database, but I'm about three months behind right now <laughs> on the database 
you know, because I, I, I like to keep a listing every artist from every city, you know, in the world that I've that I've made contact with, you know, because I don't want to forget people. There's a lot of names, so on and so forth. And if I'm coming to the region or I have an event going on in that region, I want to be able to reach out to the yeah. artists that are in that region without having to sit there and scratch my head. So mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, the database needs to be updated. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you have any experience working over in like Europe or anywhere overseas outside of North America? No, um, I've never left the continent, mm. um, but I am so interested to explore what is going on over there. Now I have artists that are around me that mm -hmm. are, are making moves, you know, overseas and I get to kind of kind of clue into what they're doing see yeah. pieces of of what they're doing but honestly um like even for me on a cash money level and work that i do with them in amag um i, I want to branch out mm -hmm. to that section of the world but when you're doing things properly as i always you say, know europe loves hip-hop right they love it, this hip-hop mm -hmm. But the infrastructure for me to put it together, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. So Europe is definitely something that I see myself being part of in the near future. But I don't want to bite off more than I could chew. Yeah, it makes at, sense. At the moment, because there's so many things just going on in, in North America. And right. I would I would assume too, Europe's a completely different monster. Like the way you go about things, the way you set things up, the whole game, right? I'm sure there are some similarities, but a lot of it is probably, you know, it runs a unique way that you'd have to learn. Oh, sure. Someone like your experience, right? That has a background here in 40 plus years in the music industry. Yes, Obviously, you, you would learn a lot faster than say someone like me going over there, but there would still be a learning curve to it, I would assume, right? For sure. And the interesting thing about Europe, from what I understand, uh, mm -hmm. Um, from the people I've spoken to and the situations I've encountered is that, you know, Canadians um, kind of come off like Americans musically because mm -hmm. we're close to America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our accessibility to America is so easy. Like I live 45 minutes from the American border. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, I could be in the USA in an hour. You wow. know? Okay. So yeah, because yeah, yeah. of that easy accessibility, uh they think we're you know and then we have artists too like drake and mm. artists like that who are known on international levels so um it makes it easier actually for canadian artists in some cases to earn an income or or, or to to earn a living um in europe yeah because for sure as long as, long as you artists, pop you know, sorry sorry my bad I was just going to say, as long as you pop a little bit over here and you get market, you could market yourself over there just a little bit. You will sell tickets because people just love hip hop. And the thing about European kids, too, uh, at least when I was growing up, I'm not sure what's happening now. But uh, when I moved here, I knew more about this hip hop, North American hip hop than the kids here. Mm -hmm. You it's know what I mean? Funny you say that, because in the early days, everybody knew everything you know it's just that hip-hop has grown into this you know massive you know uh i don't even know what to call it because it's so big and the thing is you know back then it was you were dope or you weren't in the status quo basically you know was either down with you or they weren't you that you either had pretty much everybody rocking with you or nobody rocking with you mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um now uh, there's so many different types of rap, let's say, for example. Yep. Because I'm, not, years, you know, I'm, I'm talking even the, I'm talking the fan base, you know what I mean? The kids in Europe just, they seem to follow the history. They know about who's on what label, who's beefing with who, who's fucking, you know what I mean? They like, when I moved, just like I said, like when I moved here, I was talking to kids around here and I was, I knew more than they did. It was just shocking to me. No, it, it, it for, some, for some reason, we don't, we, around here in North America, we don't respect our hip-hop veterans and we don't really respect our history. The next the next thing that popped off, and that's it, we already forgot what happened before it. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're right about respect the hip-hop veterans. But at the same time, because uh, I, I, I agree with that 100%, there should, be, there should be more accolades given to people that paved the way. But at the same time, the for sure. Why, why is Cool G rap not at least in tens of millions? You know what I mean? 
No, I, I I agree. I agree completely. One of my favorite rappers, 2G Rap, from from back in the day. Um, because back then, I mean, the industry was only making money from the inner city. You know, there wasn't this external fan base. Of yeah, the, the white suburban area. The, the kids right. who buy the albums, especially back then, right? That late 80s, early 90s. It wasn't like the the impoverished areas of uh, Brooklyn and places like at Compton that were buying it. It was the white kids. And once the white kids started buying it, and then a guy by the name Eminem really changed shit in a way, right? Where you, it was just seemed, I don't want to see more acceptable, but more out there like that. I get completely what you're saying. Once it went to Wall Street, yeah, you know, hip hop changed completely because now you had the overseers that were protecting, you know, the whole financial system that mm. was involved. I mean, prior to that, that was all handled in house. With that said, do you agree that now let me get into conspiracy? Oh. You, with that with that said, once it crossed over to Wall Street and all these old old white people started controlling the shit, right? Do you think do you agree that they started releasing more of a dumbed down material, more of an aggressive material in order to thought provoking and creative shit kind of got pushed down? Yeah, well, because like reggae music back in the day, rap had a conscious voice. Mm-hmm. You see, and that conscious voice had to be smothered. You know, if if you think back, um, and I know this firsthand, groups like Public Enemy, you know, there were locations that were being told you cannot play this music. You know, it's it's against Jewish people. It's anti-Semitic. It's this. It's that. And literally, clubs I'd go into that would say, "No, I'd, I'd say play Fight the Power or play the No Public Enemy can't play here." Because it was no like shit. a situation that happened with Arsenio and Farrakhan, you know, um, Jewish-run network. Basically, Arsenio wanted to bring Farrakhan on. They're not a fan of Farrakhan and basically told him, look, if you bring him on, it's your last show. So it's your choice. You bring him on, that's the end of Arsenio Hall. And that wow, I didn't know that. Was very last episode airing on the Arsenio Hall show. Wow, I did not mm. know that. Yeah, holy shit! I loved our city hall when I was a kid too. Woo, 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 all that shit. He had a huge impact on you know his Friday nights. Yeah, the rap groups came on and and did that. It was it was huge for rap because he opened the door, gave gave them a platform, mm-hmm. on a big stage. Our our Cineo was you know was a nationally televised uh, uh, show that got good ratings. Mm-hmm. Was, and was put out with a, with a, through a big network. So to be part of that on a rap level was giving, you know, rappers lots of exposure. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that the people that were opposing rap at that time, they just didn't realize that as soon as the fans caught on to it like wildfire, there was nothing that they could do to stop it because mm-hmm. they wanted to stop it. They wanted to shut it down. They, I mean... How many laws did we watch the American government break in order to try to control rap music? They yep. did it with Live Crew. They did it with Ice T. Yep. You know, uh, literally broke the the the, uh, the Constitution. You know, the amendments in order to do what it is that they thought they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And in the end, all that did was, you know, just pour more fuel on the fire and get more people involved and just bring a bigger audience to hip hop because they were all kind of thriving around man this thing is so real mm-hmm. oh this this thing is so real yeah there's hollywood parts to it but the main core foundation of it is built on something real mm-hmm. and that was what in my opinion would put one of the things that put hip hop you know over the top when i listen to you know, a pop singer or or a country singer, you know, in a lot of cases, their lives are not advertised in that way if they have them at all. Yeah, I agree with you. But with the rappers, you know, everything that they're from, every bit of dirt, it has because it's a fabric of their reality that cannot be faked. When you come from nothing, when you come from dirt, when you had to fight for everything, that you have because you come from nothing there's no yep. hand but at the, same, at the same time they go and they loot it with things like six nine and shit right they 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 he 
you know why though because of what we were just talking about and what you mentioned before about the wall street you see when wall street came in it put pressure on companies to deliver numbers at all costs mm -hmm. because it's a very 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 competitive multi-billion dollar industry mm -hmm. that put an extreme amount of pressure on you know companies to deliver results so a lot of things started changing you know um quality control for example in the sense that before a guy could say you know what i'm not going to put him out because i just don't like what he represents mm -hmm. or where that thing is going um now he'll go i have to put him out because they're gravitating to what he's doing and his numbers are growing and i have to recognize that for what it is mm -hmm. you know it's it's the corporate crossover world um that kind of infused itself in hip hop over time. And it's one of those things like, you know, when they say, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. <laughs> what it was because they didn't want, them, want anything to do with hip hop in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. you know, they reached a point where they realized this thing is taking over. But yo, I I also feel I I feel like we're gonna have like a part three and four of this because we're, gonna, <laughs> we're, we're, we're no for real like we can like you know what I'm saying we can keep going with this for forty for, plus forever. years of the hip hop industry it's like I'm sure we could have and 10 no parts. I, I'm just saying like because I got more and more questions more and more questions I'm like no 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 back to battle rap we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta come back to the we gotta come back to the tour and we gotta bring on the first artist because we schedule time right so, yes so we uh, have. Uh, we have Mr. Jim, Jimmy Magnum. Jimmy Magnum is going to be first? Yeah. Now, the cool thing about Jimmy is that he's a Tri-City resident who's been doing music out of there for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the things that he does musically just resonate well with people in the area. You know, people have uh, that have had that opportunity to experience what Mr. Magnum does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I call him Mr. Magnum because to me, <laughs> he's a big dog. Um, yeah, he just puts his heart into everything. And, you know, he loves to perform live. And um, it's one of his, it's one That's of his assets. One of his uh, pleasure to have you here with us this evening. I'm glad to be there. Well, <sighs> virtually. <laughs> 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 No kidding. So uh, yeah, I was just talking to uh, talking to Chuck a few minutes ago. He let us know because we had this plan with him tonight. He wanted to get some artists to come on for the August sixth show that's going down at the Polish Club in Cambridge. That's and right. he said uh, he he sends over your name. He said he's even from the Tri Cities. We're from the Tri Cities as well. So that's I right. pull it up. I'm expecting all Chuck has sent me or referred me to so far as rappers. I'm expecting a rapper, and I was like, whoa. So very unique. Uh, rappers, they're a lot more common around here than a reggae artist, especially a reggae artist who's decent at what they fucking do. So what, what is your story, man? You born, you from here? Well, the, the truth is I am, I'm from Stratford, Ontario, but um, okay. my family, my family, half my family is Jamaican. My stepfather was Jamaican, raised me from when I was a little, little baby. And uh, okay. when you're a child, you want to be like your father, you know what I mean? Yep. This so happened that my father, my, my stepfather, he was, a, he was a Rasta and he was a straight up Jamaican. He talked straight Patois and um, he influenced me in uh, dancehall music when I was young and reggae music. So when everybody else was listening to rock and roll or whatever, yeah. I was in reggae. When they were listening to rap, I was listening to reggae, you know? <laughs> reggae That's from day dope. one. That is dope. So when did you start trying to become an artist? When did you start playing with the music and not just being a fan? Well. I started actually when I was about 17. Okay. Uh, everything was going well for me. And then, uh, and then I had a child. So I decided, you know what? I need to get a job and do things right. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then she got a little older and my son got a little older and I said, yo, I still have time and I still have, and I still can do this. So let's do this now. And I started, so it's been about 15 years now. Oh, nice, nice, nice. And connecting, gr growing, networking here. Like again, back to reggae. It's not as big as hip hop is here. No. Maybe it is, and I just don't see it, right? But what's your, what was the networking process like? Getting gigs, getting people to work with, even working with producers who are making the beats that you need. That is a very hard thing to do is to work with producers to make me a beat. So I get everything from Jamaica. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's I, like straight, it's OG. Yeah. Nice. And uh, shows, to be honest with you, I've been on a lot of hip hop shows. 
Mm. You would have to probably, right? Um, Pardon? You would probably have to, is what I'm saying, because I, don't, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I, I'm just starting to get into this scene, but I haven't really heard of uh, like reggae show. You know what I mean? It's always if I do hear something, it's hip hop. Yeah, that's what it is, right? I worked with a few rappers in the um, Tri Cities. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what I was gonna say. Now that I heard your stuff, I would be really interested in working with you, man. Maybe we can talk off air. That yes, would be, that would be man. I used to work. I worked with a lot of rappers in this area. Like shows for shows and stuff like that, and that's I, good. and we also tr- we're about to throw shows around here too. So we'll, we'll we'll talk, man. I'm very interested because, like I said, I'm just crossing over from Russian to English. I've just only been like doing a year in English, but I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk. We'll talk off air. This is a off air conversation, but it's it's really <laughs> it's really great to meet you, and I've really enjoyed what I've seen when I googled you. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, thank you, man. Thank you. Um. Yeah, and I, I, I perform a lot in dance halls, you know what I mean? Like, in, in the actual dance hall, when there was a party, people would be book, get booking artists, right? And I'd come through and do my thing. I've been on reggae festivals. I was on the Grand. Mm, nice. 2019, the last festival around this area in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked with reggae artists like Louis Rankin. Oh, oh wow. Rankin. Um, um, uh, Mavado. I was okay. on a show years and years ago. Um, Egyptian, Lady Saw. Oh, Lady Saw. I used to listen to when in the nineties when I was in high school. Yep. I, I went I went through like a reggae dance hall phase where I had like all the reggae gold albums yeah. and Beanie Man and Buju. I still mm. listen to Buju, but Lady yep. Saw was actually one of my favorites from back then. Yeah, she yeah, she she's an and she's a phenomenal artist too. Mm. A great person, a great person. Wow, that's that's crazy, man. That's insane. I never thought I'd be having a conversation with somebody that worked with Lady Saw. <laughs> Even I was on a show with Egyptian, oh, yeah. Cran- Cranium, um, who else? Uh, 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 I Wayne, lots, so many, man. That's insane. Uh, so aside from the obviously uh, undeniable tour, you're, you're going to appear there. Do you have anything going on right now? Do you, are you going to put out, are you working on any records right now? Are you going to put anything out anytime soon? I'm working on an album. Working on an album. That's great. And how far are you? Like, are you, are you... It's How are you doing it? Are you going to lead with a single or are you going to just drop the whole thing at once? I'm leading with a, uh, another single in September. In September. Another I- single. So that means one is already out. Sorry, like I said, I'm just cluing into the area. So we're... Yeah, I have a song out right now called Go Go that I'm trying to push. Just release so that. that, that uh, that's, that's one of the songs that we've seen. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And then I got a song coming out in September. And I'm doing a video for it. It's called Me I Feel At Me Best. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And the album is supposed to drop when? I'm trying to drop that for October. All the songs are recorded. I just need to edit it. Okay. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, Chuck, were you gonna are you gonna say something there? So I'm gonna cut you off. Pardon? Oh, he left. I asked Chuck if he was gonna say something. It sounded like we cut him off, but he left. He left. Yeah, he left us. Oh, he was probably saying he's gonna <laughs> step out for a second. Ah, on your uh, on your album, is it gonna be? Is there any features? Uh, if they are, is it going to be any like rap features because of that's the people you've had to work with a lot? Or is it going to be straight reggae, only you? It's just straight me. But I am going to be working on features. After this album, I'm working on features. Mm-hmm. And it will be features because I work with a lot of hip-hop artists, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. actually, I actually did a, did a song. I, I did a hook for some, some rappers. Yeah. And, uh, I was a little disappointed. I, I dropped a hook for them and they just released the song. They didn't edit it. They just released Oh, oh no! So it wasn't mixed, mastered, nothing. It was just raw. And I did this hook for them, and then I sent it to them. And oh, then, no! Then within the hour, it was on YouTube, and I was like, "Guys, come on!" Oh man, that I can tell so you right cool. now that if we ever work, I will have it mixed, yeah. mastered, and, and I will show it. And I will show it to you before I can put it out anywhere. <laughs> that is insane! Wow. Yeah, that's not. Um, I mean, maybe they just don't know or something. I don't know, but yeah, that's not. I think with that's kids, not how we do things. They can yeah. just right. Mm. With young guys, they just think they can just do it and it's done. It's there. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, no, no. We we work on every song. We mix every beat and every vocal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So you're. Uh, some of the uh, stages you hit too like i was looking at your facebook page and you stay pretty active though for someone like i said it's more difficult to get gigs for uh yeah. and i noticed toronto too somewhere you hit is that something that you had to hit early on the, G- the gta and leave the tri-cities no i actually i actually conquered the tri-cities first i did around here first yeah. and then and then uh i just got out there like you know what i mean it wasn't 
nothing I really had to leave and just go there. Or, there's mm. a lot of in Toronto. And what I respect about the Toronto artists is when I go there, they say, listen, there's a hundred of us. There's thousands of us up here, but there's only one of you down there. How do you do it? Yeah. That was question, how do you do it? And it's just getting on shows with hip hop artists because I do actually believe that when you do a show, you need multi different types of music on a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Need reggae or you need hip hop. I think you need some R and B. You know, mm -hmm. I did it my own show and I put a country singer on it, and there was rappers there, and they loved it. Oh and no way! Artists, they loved this guy. This guy was up there doing his thing with his acoustic guitar. It was good. <laughs> so you you doing your own show? Is that a thing that had to be done out of necessity, or is promoting something that you want to get more into eventually? Um, I think that it's smart to promote and do some of your own shows once in a while because uh, you make more money. Mm -hmm. for, sure. You know, for sure for sure i think the best thing you could do is take a door at some place or rent a hall and do your own thing yeah that's kind of the and stage we're at now scratch, too right yeah and yeah. working with people like chuck as well people yeah. like that along the ways it helps a lot uh yeah. before chuck did we cut you off it sounded like you're gonna say something before you before you left no i just uh let you guys know that i would be right back i had to go to the washroom Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. I uh, I thought we cut you off. You are about to say something. No, so, not at all. I just kind of eased back into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jimmy, how long have you been working with Chuck? How did you guys' uh, relationship uh, start? I, I met him through my uh, good friend, Hopeton Burke. Okay, and how long was that? That was probably about, I don't know, three months ago, Chuck. Oh, okay. yes. So I fairly recently? Very now, recently. mind you, I had heard about Jimmy for years his name was resonating around the reggae community in the tri-city for years so i i knew who he was mm -hmm. when hopeton recommended getting him involved from black dog entertainment recommended getting him involved it was a no-brainer mm -hmm. nice nice so jimmy do you do you have a name for this project you're gonna drop and uh are you gonna how many how many singles are you bringing off the project to august 6th are we going to hear the new one? You're going to hear Go Go and you're going to hear two more. So is there anything that hasn't been released yet? I'm going to perform two tracks that the, I did. The, the, the two more, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. And do, do you have the name of the project? Pardon? Do you have the name for the whole project, for the, for the album? I Am. So you broke up there, I Am? I Am is my project name. Yeah, that's what I'm calling nice. it. Nice, mm -hmm. nice, nice. So we're looking out for I Am in October. Yep. The first single out right now is Go Go, and we're gonna hear two more on August sixth. That's great, man. That's great to meet you. That's yep. uh, meet you guys. Uh, all right, we gotta get uh, Dorian in here shortly. Uh, anything you want to push, plug, promote, let people know where to find you, social media, all that stuff. The floor is yours, Jimmy. Yo, check me out on uh, on Facebook at Jimmy Magnum One, which is my fan page. Check me out and add me on Facebook too, Jimmy Magnum Bradley. Add me on face on my on my personal account too. Anybody can do that. Um, on uh um check check me out on tiktok don't sleep on tiktok tiktok nice. <laughs> it's the way it's, it's today's thing right i've been doing jobs for people in england <laughs> tiktok yes sir yes sir and then on uh, uh instagram jimmy magnum one okay yeah. all right jimmy thanks a lot for your time we'll see you august 6th my man thanks for coming through bro nice oh, to meet you and we'll talk we'll, we'll talk for sure big yeah. respect Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, guys. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a good one, Jay. You as well. All right. I guess since we since we talked about Carvery a bit, um, what's what's popping with him? That's your that's your frontline project right now. Is that, assuming... in terms of artists? Um, I do... well, as as your I personal something you pushing? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like something. I figure I figured that this is your some something as your personal project, right? Something close yeah. to you, right? Very very personal to me. Um, because he is my son. Um, also because I've been there from day one, you know, mm -hmm. from, from the birth and the creation of this product and project. So yeah, it's great to see him doing so well with his first release. Like, cause he's kind of coming out of nowhere. He released his first single and video. That was uh, dope by the way. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much. And I'll let him know you said that as well. Um, you know, so that was his first time really getting in front of the camera. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, letting the magic happen, and he. Oh, I see. I see. He's dropping TikTok videos, singing. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, verse, yeah. Verse things, right? I, I watched that. That's that's pretty dope too. Yeah, he's always trying to keep things moving, but 
the goal right now, realistically, with, with, with Carvery, because he was in development for three years, you know, wow. so we got a lot in the library. We got a lot of music that was created over that time. Um, now it's about getting some more videos done. And really the goal is just have it go from, you know, right now he's got probably about 110,000 views for me mm. on, on belligerent. It'll probably peak out probably at around 150, 200,000. The mm. goal is to bring the next single, which is coming soon, Icy, to 300K. You know, bring mm. the song after that to 400, 500K through constantly just... And you're trying to do it, you're trying to do it solo? You're not trying to piggyback? No features? Um, the features will, will come into play um, at, at, at some point. Um, but right now, with the stuff that he's looking to release, no, there's not really any features on that. And it's kind of, it was kind of strategically planned that way because mm -hmm. with the different octaves and stuff that Carver uses in his music, it almost seems at times like there's two and three people involved in a song. Mm -hmm. It's all him because that, that's a very, that's a very good thing to have. Yeah, so it keeps the songs interesting as the octaves change and the pitches change and we go through these different transitions. So he's not hurting as much as an artist uh, for a feature that, you know, is continually in the same octave, you know, that's looking oh, uh, for that change. I was saying features more as in marketing promotion uh, kind yeah, of thing. At right? angle, um, we'd love to have him. The interesting thing about about Carberry is that he's constantly connecting to new people every day mm -hmm. and which is just putting him in position for bigger and better things because people more and more people are taking notice of what he's doing and so on and so forth now strategically yeah at some point we'll go out and spend the money um and and get that feature but right now based on the strategy that we have not really required Need to lay some groundwork, eh? Make some, make a name. Yeah, it's gonna get him himself established, get his brand and his sound, because that's the key thing. Mm -hmm. it's really, to be able to identify with his sound, we want people when they hear three seconds of his music to be able to go, "Oh, that's Carvery." Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Away, yeah. Just to be able to do that, you know, identification and and to be able to identify. I've seen I've seen a Dr. Dre interview where he where he said that he works with people who have interesting voices. And then I really started thinking about it. And Eminem, Snoop, Snoop. 50, <laughs> yeah. all of them have a distinct voice. Very distinct voice. Yeah, that's very true. distinct. Yeah. Very true. Because the voice is a factor. I mean, the bars are, are a factor. You know, the lyrics, yeah. content, it is a factor. But yeah, the presence comes from the from the boy. When I think of rappers like Big L. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that, like, you know. The presence that comes from the voice. Yeah, that delivery was just insane. Oh, yeah, I don't think anybody still fucking kicks it. No, out it's there. gross. It's yeah. gross. <laughs> gross. You know what I mean? But um, you're absolutely right. The 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 voice, the the characteristics of it, the presence that it have, it's also a factor mm. in what makes a, a successful rapper. That's why some guys that don't have the voice, you know, that are great songwriters, it may be better for them to stay there. Because mm. not everybody has a distinct voice. Yeah, for sure. You know? And so, so here, like, I'll use Tory Lanez as an example for what I'm about to say next. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Tory Lanez basically found a way to create a distinct niche sound for himself, even though his sound dynamic was similar to other things that were going on right and mm -hmm. but he found a way to create a niche sound he also remember when people pushed on him when they said that he sounds like everybody from toronto and this and that and then he got into a little beef with somebody and he just snapped and started rapping better than fucking most of the rappers <laughs> <laughs> the stuff i'm talking about if you look at the new toronto album where he's rapping you know on most of that album he he created his niche sound as a rapper you kind of know you hear five seconds of that somewhere now we kind of know that that's tory mm. you know we we're able to identify very quickly with the, and that's really what it's about 
having people being able to identify with your brand quickly. And it works the same way in film. If, if we see an actor, if we're watching a movie mm. and we're not 100% sure what that movie's about, and we see an actor that we know and respect mm. in that film, it's automatically going to give what we're watching some integrity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's in no the same respect as movies that don't watch because of certain actors. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's it's true. true. That is true. Um, and the music world operates the same way. That's why I understood when you brought up the feature question, you know, for Carvery, I understood completely where you were coming from because once you do get that feature, you're able to tie into that person's market, into yeah. the demographic and their fans. You know, if it's done right, they become your fans for yeah. that. And that's that's a really cool thing from a, a marketing situation. But being a, a household name, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, I feel like you you also have to be ready for that feature, right? Because tomorrow you say you get a feature with Jay-Z, you pop for that moment. And then if there's nothing to follow that and there's nothing before that, yeah. right? It's it's going to be literally a minute of fame and a wasted effort. Listen, I tell artists all the time, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Yeah. Because most artists, they want to be signed. You know, mm. like, and, and, and most artists, if you ask them, because I do ask them, you know, if if somebody was willing to sign you today, do you feel you'd be ready for the opportunity? Mm -hmm. And 90 to 95% of the artists that I talk to, their response is pretty much similar. Hell yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 but the thing is that you only have one opportunity to make a first impression, mm -hmm. not on the people that you're trying to work with, but the fans mm -hmm. as well. You know, and if things are not fully properly thought through, like even with the dealing with the executives that you're going to encounter in trying to facilitate this project, if you're not, if your vision is not clear, if you don't have a good way of explaining that vision, you know, the elevator pitch, you know, back, back to that, you know, yep. mm -hmm. elevator pitch is basically being able to condense whatever idea it is that we're talking about into 15 strong seconds of communication yep. 15 20 seconds you know yeah. where it's just got to be point after point that you're nailing home in a very quick efficient timely manner mm -hmm. and you know that's what it becomes you know because when you have the opportunity to get an executive's ear or somebody that's in a position to help you most of the time they're not going to give you a lot of time to prove yourself Maybe better not choke, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think that you're worthy of being signed, right, but you haven't been groomed properly even to deal with executives, because that's a big thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, when I sit What's... and talk with artists, when I'm when I'm dealing with artists for cash money stuff, AMAG stuff, you know, I know where an artist is at with their career just by what's coming out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I, I don't even have to ask them certain questions because certain things that they're saying to me about their situation um, kind of let me know they haven't fully thought the vision through from A mm -hmm. to Z. Maybe they may have a preliminary stage covered or they may have a portion or a part covered, but the whole game plan that would enable you to sit down with A&Rs and business executives and record company owners, no, that's not there. And mm -hmm. It's, it, it, it shouldn't be an issue for somebody to say, I'm not ready for that yet, you know, um, for them to recognize that, you know, there's a lot of stake here, you know, and when I get the opportunity to put myself, I may not have many opportunities to put myself in front of, you know, somebody with clout. I've got to make sure that every moment counts. So grooming your music for the industry, grooming your brand and grooming yourself to be able to deal with executives. Another thing is that there's a lot of shady people out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of guys out there that are gonna take you for a ride. But even simply being ready, you know what I'm saying? Before, like when, art, when artists were put out by these labels, at least they were somewhat media ready, interview ready somewhat, you know? Yes. These, days, these days you could, I've seen Ebro, I don't remember who it was, um, 
little Zan or somebody, one of those guys that mumbles and just drinks a lot of codeine, you know what I mean? <laughs> the Ebro literally kicked him on. He's like, what the fuck you want me to do with this? <laughs> Pointing fingers at him. He's like, I can't get a fucking word out of him. He's high. He doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. Is get him on Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because it's, it's the rock star status thing, you know, all over again. And this is the kind of shit that, you know, came along with the rock stars. Um, but at least, you know, they, they not in all cases, but in most cases, they were able to move along regardless. Yeah. And now, like you said, it's reached a belligerent point, you know, where people are not even able to do full interviews. Yep. So on and so forth. Well, here's the thing. If so, and, and I'm sure you guys can testify to what I'm about to say next. If you didn't think there was some merit to the first interview that yep. we did, you wouldn't have asked me to do a second one. Right. Well, the 1, same percent. The same rules apply to them. If they come out for these interviews and they're not prepared or they don't have any proper interview training, you know, because these are all the things that Carvery has to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, he has to go through mock interviews yeah. and these type of things just to be prepared for these occasions so mm -hmm. that he can come off the way that he needs to come off to seem like a professional. Could be anything, right? You could get a dick host that could to throw questions at you to make yeah. him mad, right? To, or they ask baited questions and shit. Oh, man. And it's funny because the dick hosts mm -hmm. are the equivalent of the dick A&Rs and the dick industry people. Yeah. In the sense that if they start throwing curveballs at you, mm -hmm. the grooming is going to show you and teach you how to do evasive maneuvers around those kind of things without compromising the brand mm -hmm. or get caught up in an uncomfortable situation, which is not going to look good in the public. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be able to handle yourself, but diplomatically. Yeah. And, and to do that, it requires grooming, you mm -hmm. know, and <laughs> There's, there's a lot of people, so many that you're going to encounter, people that are going to try to screw you over, people that don't want to screw you over, but that only want to work with you if you can really give it your all and produce the best results. You know what I mean? So between these two dynamics, it's not always about people that want to screw you over, but it is always about, are you in a proper position? Are you suited for what's coming up? Are you ready? You know, for what stage? And a lot of people underestimate what's involved. Interviews, for example, you give two bad interviews in a row, mm -hmm. who's going to want to book you for a third? No shit. That's the, that's the dwindle down effect. Sometimes cancel culture is not just an automatic thing. Sometimes it's a result of things that you've done that just don't show any merit or just kind of show and prove that you don't belong in the big fish tank where the big boys are. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Certainly. Day. And you can literally talk yourself. Oh man, it's the worst right out the game. Mm -hmm. You could be in the game for a minute. <laughs> somebody's liking your music. You know what I mean? Somebody's liking your swag or liking your voice or really thinks that you have a really cool angle to how yep. you, about making music and then they listen to you talk for 15 minutes and they want nothing to do with this project yeah <laughs> talk people out of working with you that were interested in working with you until they come to realize what working with you involves yeah that happens a lot people open their mouth and just ruin everything mm -hmm. oh my gosh you know what i mean and Oh, that's that's horrible when that happens because a lot of times. But to 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 be fair, it does take a lot of training and self control and quite a few fuck ups to be able to <laughs> navigate the conversation, right? You know. The golden rule is that it has to be taken as business at all time. And the moment that you see yourself bringing emotion into the equation, mm -hmm. you have to say that's not it. You know, that's not going to work for me. I I have got to keep it impartial. You know, think of lawyers that have clients that are, you know, that have lives that are being affected or could be affected by whatever decision that court makes. That lawyer has to keep his cool yep. for that, for his client to have the best chance of, of seeing freedom and beating the situation. Oh, so yeah. no, different, no different 
than, than that in any of these situations. You have to show that you can sit down in a business-like manner, okay? And that doesn't mean knowing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to, I want to clear, I want to, you know, if there's any confusion on that, I want to clear it up because it may sound like that's what it means. That's not what it means. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But recognizing what you don't know, you know, is important. I tell people all the time, if you get into a conversation with someone of importance, don't act like you know something that you don't. They will respect you way more. Oh, for sure. If you tell them, look, I need to, I need to take a little time to look into that, mm-hmm. you know, but I can get back to you with all the information that it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm just not in a position to fully provide it at, at this moment. And they will respect you. Sure. Or that, because when you come back, you're going to come back, you know, you should come back properly, equipped the right way. Yeah. And that is worth way more than a guy out there. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, <laughs> yeah no problem. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, be, yeah. Be, be, before we wrap up our uh, second session with the co-signer, <laughs> uh, let's go back. Let's go back to the uh, let's go back to August 6th for a second and uh, yeah. th- just run through it. So we're going to have because we're going to be present at the event like we talked about. Right. We're going to be there probably dust till done. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, run you through it in a manner from A to Z that will be very informative. So it's a 12 hour party. Yeah. All right. Free until 9 p.m. Perfect. During the day from two. Till 8.30, let's say, there will be open mic, group cypers, listening parties, basically, for mm-hmm. people who have signed up for these things, okay? okay? Now, just that alone, okay, is going to bring a lot of energy in the room, okay? Yeah. Group cyphers feeding off of each other, one guy rapping, another guy coming on. Guys backing up each other, just throwing in little things here and there where other guys are rapping. Oh, for sure, so for sure. Energy is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. It's exciting just talking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 and the group cypher, um, sorry, the open mic now. So one of the key differences between the cypher and the open mic is the open mic, you'll know what beats, you know, that are going to be, you're going to be performing on. And you'll have the stage to yourself. Okay. With the group cyphers. The DJ is just going to be throwing random. Sink or swim. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And whoever's just feeling the beat, you know, step forward and get involved. Basically, that mic goes around. We'll have Anderson Bradshaw, movie actor who's been in, you know, 25 major motion pictures, uh, X-Men, Days of Future Past, uh, Brick Mansions, Lucky Number Slevin. Wow. Also, some serious movies. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got a big big roster of movies under his belt with speaking roles. And he also raps as well. So he'll oh, be participating in those events as well, which is going to be crazy because he's so this, this group cypher is what Mike in the middle or is it being passed around? Um, Every, the group cypher, everybody will every, be on stage. And, everybody don't get a mic though, right? Yeah, no. So no, everybody doesn't get a mic. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, no, guy, no. The next guy. Who's, so there'll be three mics. The guy who's performing, the guy who's up next and and the host. Anderson Bradshaw, who will be all right, all right, all right. The transitions from one artist to the next artist, because we want to get some talk about each artist before they perform, especially in the open mic. Not not so much in the group cipher, because it'll be it'll be in the moment. But before everybody's open mic segment, um, Anderson is going to have some some really nice things to say about everybody and the fact that they're out here for undeniable and so on and so forth. Nice, so nice. that's what our daytime flex kind of looks like up until um, like 8.30. Okay. Basically, uh, we clear the room for a half an hour, reset the room up, basically to get ready for the showcase. Doors will open at like 9.15. Showcase starts at 9.30. And basically, we'll start playing <laughs> the artist off. We've got about an hour right, right. And a half so far right now of, of talent with with the with Anderson basically hosting and chaperoning that all the way through. Once that's done, uh, in the area of about 11, 30, 12, we'll go to full after party mode. So 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. There'll be people coming and going all day, bar nice. open from the time things start, food will be served Ooh, available. Yes. From the time that things start, mm-hmm. 
know, because you can't awesome. have people around for that amount of time without having food available. So, oh no, I'll be the I'll be the angriest one there if there's no food around. <laughs> <laughs> we were also thinking we're gonna probably uh, well, hopefully you don't mind. We will probably set up a booth for the people to come through to us because I don't want to be chasing people it. around with a fucking no, laptop and all that. You know what I mean? That's beautiful. And here's the thing: in Cambridge, at that particular event, I've got lots of space. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm there, and here's the thing: I'm leaving from Toronto. I'll be in Toronto the night before. Mm. Um, I'm leaving from there very early in the morning, so I will be hitting Cambridge like 10 a.m. We'll, we'll be there probably. We'll be there for the whole event too, right? We want to hit yeah, some fans. So we'll, we'll probably hit the vendors, whoever the fuck's making food, who's doing yeah. the beats, who's spitting yeah, the rhymes. Yeah, yeah, We're gonna get everybody. Everyone. That will give you all the time to talk to the artists and the. Mm -hmm people and and that's gonna and be a good day man it's gonna be a lot of fun perfect so before oh. we go is there anything you want to plug in yeah so um two things one really want to build a foundation in the tri-city area mm -hmm. um so that we can do a multiplicity of different functions and i different plan on working hard around here man okay that that's the first thing i, I want to say so I appreciate everything that you guys are doing to help the event, to interview, you know, all the love that, that, that we're getting. We definitely appreciate that because this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in talks uh, a little while ago about somebody that was interested in doing Method Man next. Mm, uh, no shit. Uh, you know, some, so, and these are the kind of projects that I want to get in, that I want to get involved with in the future. Yes, I like these artist showcases, but the artists can still be involved yeah um, with, with with these other shows it's not like i gotta kick the artist out and no exactly yeah. no room for them and um just some bringing in some 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 names you know uh into these projects in the future and and stuff that's like great that. to hear man i really want for the hip-hop and tri-city to pop a bit more you know what i mean and i want to be involved with it too so i'm ready to work man if you if you're still you know what i mean i, I i'm it's sure gonna, it's, everything's got to start somewhere right that's what so, I'm saying. And I'm sure we'll prove ourselves at the event. You know what I mean? So I'm sure you'll be, you'll like working with us. Absolutely. So that was the, the, the first thing. And the second thing I wanted to say was, um, uh, please street hop, you know, if you, when you get the chance, just. Oh, brother, no problem. That's done. Don't even worry about it. Mello, I appreciate that. That's uh, done. Tell him any way he sees fit, you know what I mean? To, to give them out. And, um, I, and I'll, and also tell him one last thing. I'll give him another 10 person guest list for himself mm -hmm. as, okay. as well. So I'll give him 10 tickets to give away that he has in person. Yeah. And I'll give him another 10 on the guest list um, if he's able to roll out. Okay. Basically as well. And same thing for you guys. Like uh, I'll give you your own guest list. Yes. I want to obviously try to move tickets because I got a heavy overhead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, not everybody's going to buy a ticket. So there's yeah. certain people that, you know, if they had a free ticket uh, that they would come out. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have 10 tickets for you, a guest. All right, thanks. As well, so start thinking about that as Sounds well. Good. Who you think uh, would be a good idea to uh, to give those to as well, those guest passes. Awesome. Sounds thanks. good. Sounds good, man. All right. Another informative session with the man Cosider. Yeah. For Cosider, Krokosaski, I'm Jay Kelly. It's the building downtown. We out. Peace. Peace. We thanks. Respect, thanks for coming man. to man. The building downtown for life. Peace. Ah. Peace out, bro. Stay up. The building downtown. Building downtown. Building downtown. Building downtown. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>